Later tonight, Sean will preach to us through God's word on the topic of aren't Christians hypocrites? But first, please turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, which will help to better understand the sermon later. So that's 1 Peter chapter 2. Hear the word of the Lord. So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentile honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So another reading that uh, Sean is going to be preaching on tonight is from the Gospel of Luke. So it's Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 17. So that's Luke chapter 18, and I'll be starting at verse 9 through to verse 17. So hear the word of the Lord. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them. 
for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Thanks, Sean. Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, Welcome to WPC Bull Creek. It's great to be here with you this evening. And we are continuing our series in the Q&A series, as it were. And let me read to you a quote to begin. I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Now, you might have heard this quote before. Uh, It's from, allegedly, uh, Mahara Gandhi, which people might use to point out a Christian's uh, hypocrisy and calling on them to live better and to live more like Jesus. You might have even seen uh, other people quote this quote. Uh, someone like Rick, Ricky Gervais did some years ago. He said, oh, how great is that Gandhi quote? Uh, this is uh, particularly the reaction when they disagree with what a Christian person that they know has done or they just dislike the way that they are behaving. And this is especially true in recent years uh, of the church scandals and the mega churches with the mega salaries. And while the quote itself is doubtful to be from Gandhi, uh, after all, there's no actual evidence of him actually saying that. He says something similar, but not quite. Nevertheless, what is the issue that they have with Christians that leads them to respond with this quote? Well, the problem is that they see all the people in the church, all Christians, as hypocrites. And perhaps you've come across something of uh, that uh, in your uh, friendships, in, your, in people that you know. Maybe that's something you've come across, whether maybe it's in news headlines or something like Or perhaps you've even thought the same. And so the question remains, is it true that all Christians are just hypocrites? And before we answer that, well, let's make sure that we're on the same page on what it means to be a hypocrite. Because we see this word being thrown around a lot. Take, for example, a couple of articles. Seven News, two weeks ago, Woolies was reported to be dumping all Australia Day uh, merchandise. But in its, in its latest catalogue... Sorry, let me turn off my volume here. In the latest catalogue from Woolies, they are heavily promoting Australia Day foods. Uh, people are responding, that's hypocritical. They said they're not going to uh, advertise Australia Day merch. Uh, after all, they don't have merch. They are a food, fresh food people. So, go figure. Another example uh, is from The Guardian. The Albanese, Albanese gov- government is accused of blatant hypocrisy. Let me read to you a quote from this article. Uh, talking about uh, questions that are not being answered. This poor response rate from ministers to Senate questions on notice reflects the blatant hypocrisy of the Albanese government, Birmingham said. Having come to office promising greater transparency, its failure to answer Senate questions by the due date is in effect contempt, not only of the Senate, but Australians who rightly expect ministers to be held to account. You see what they did? They promised transparency, but they failed to deliver on that. Hypocrites then, as you're thinking about these two quotes, they're people who say one thing, but then do the other. 
people whose preaching or the words that they say are not matching with the way that they live. So a hypocrite then is pretending either to be more righteous or less sinful than what they really are. So it's someone who doesn't practice what they teach. They talk the talk, but they do not walk the walk. So let me ask the question again. Is it true that all Christians are hypocrites? Well, yes. Yes, I'd argue that. But not just Christians, I'd say. I'd say we're all hypocrites. Welcome to the party. We're all guilty of being hypocrites. And if that's true, well, then why bother with Christianity? Well, I th- we bother with Christianity because we are hypocrites. And we need hope. We need help from somewhere else. Let me explain. We're going to look at it in two, uh, two parts. So firstly, we're going to explore how Christianity is actually all about Christ. I think we need to humbly admit, at, in the first, right at from the start, that we are hypocrites because that's who we are. We all claim to be good people. We act and we live as if we are good and righteous people, but we do that without any reference to God. If we think about the world, what is a good person? That's nothing to do with God, does it? And that's why when we read Paul's letter to the Roman church, I'm going to read a few verses from Romans chapter 1. It says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known, what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes... Namely, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So what do we see in this passage? What we see is God's revealed himself through creation clearly. But everyone refuses to honor, refuses to give him thanks. And yet how often we hear that this person, the people that we know around us, they're good people without any reference to God. And that's why we see later on in chapter 3 of this letter, Paul says, what then? Are are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. You see, the only way to be righteous is to perfectly obey God's laws and commands. But we don't. We've all sinned. We've all acted hypocritically because we claim to be good. We desire to be good. We live as if we're good, but without any reference to God. And in essence, that is what sin is. 
But the thing is, being good is not what Christianity is all about. Perfection is not what Christianity is all about. See, I think the saying stems, this saying that all Christians are hypocrites, it comes from a misunderstanding of what Christianity is all about. Because it's not about how good we Christians are. It's not about the good deeds that we do that make us right with God. It's not about having the appearance of a perfect life. It's not about the perfect grades. It's not about perfect attendance. It's not about achieving your goals and ambitions, but about the gracious love of God. Because even though we've acted hypocritically, even though we've rebelled against the king of the world, by faith in the perfect Savior, the one who perfectly obeyed God's commands, we are saved. See, Christianity is all about the perfect life of Jesus Christ, who died for his imperfect followers. And this is the key difference between Christianity and any other religion. Because it's not about me. It's not about us and how good we think we need to live. But it's about how good Jesus is. The Christian church is the only institution in the world that declares itself to be a group of sinners. And indeed, requiring people to declare themselves as sinners. Well, to help us think through this a bit further, let's have a look at the passage that was read for us earlier in Luke 18. If you have your Bibles there, it'll be helpful as we look through verses 9 and work our way through. So verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. See, this, this phrase sets it up very nicely for us, doesn't it? Because I think this is what people view Christians as. People who trust in themselves as righteous people and holding everyone else in contempt because they think they know all the answers. So how does the rest of the parable go? Let's have a look in verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men extortionists, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You see what this parable is saying, don't you? The Pharisee says they are righteous people. They put their trust in themselves, not in God. The prayer really speaks volumes about how they view themselves, doesn't it? Because it's not so much a petition to God, but kind of a boastful show and tell of how good they are. And yet this is where the extraordinary good news of the gospel comes in. Because if it was up to us and our works 
to be right with God, well, we'd have no hope. We'd be just like the Pharisee, wouldn't we? But as we read this parable, who is the one that is justified? Well, it's, it's not the one who does all the things that the Pharisee does, but it's the outcasted sinner who is pleading for mercy. And that's the beauty of the gospel. And this is the crucial misunderstanding that the world makes about Christianity. Because Christians are woeful sinners. We are in desperate need of God's mercy. We were hypocrites. But we've been forgiven by God through Jesus Christ. In Jesus here, we see his, his, he despises hypocrisy. And you see this uh, throughout the Gospels where the Pharisees continually get slammed for their hypocrisy and none more clear and entertaining than in Matthew 23 as he calls them the, the men that shut the kingdom, the gates of the kingdom of heaven on people. Jesus calls them blind guides. He calls them whitewashed tombs as serpents of hell. Because what they're doing is not seeking God's mercy but their own glory. You see, the Pharisees have refused to turn to Jesus, refused to seek mercy, and so they remain guilty of rejecting their king, hiding behind a plethora of works. But it's not enough. But then why is it that if Jesus is so clearly against hypocrisy, why is it that the church is filled with hypocrites? That's what led to the quote, isn't it? Well, that's our second point. Because Christians follow Christ imperfectly to honor him. What we see in the church then is not a picture-perfect gathering of perfect people. What we see is a sinful group of people who have seen and tasted that the Lord is good. He is good in his mercy. He is good in forgiving them of their sins. And they seek to desperately follow him, turning to God for help as they repent from sin. And that's what we're like. Even though we don't do it perfectly, we ought to be striving to repent and to be putting sin to death. And that includes this hypocritical behavior. If we simply say that, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm all good because of Jesus, but then we continue to live hypocritically, well, then we are mocking everything that Jesus lived for. And so I want to turn us to 1 Peter chapter 2, the passage that was read earlier by Suwon, if you have that there. We want to explore then how are we to live in light of the gospel? How are we to live because we've been forgiven by our Lord Jesus? So let me read uh, 1 Peter 2, let me read from verse 1. And here, Peter is writing to encourage a people to live distinctly, distinctively changed lives because of the gospel. So let me read from verse 1. Peter calls, So put away all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if needed, uh, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen 
and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Notice then, Peter says, if you have tasted that the Lord is good, then put away malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. For what purpose? Verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles, or non-Jewish people, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So why are we to live this way? To proclaim Christ's excellencies. To glorify our Lord Jesus. That's not to say that we're now living perfectly because we're Christians. But we're to put these things away. We're to be living this way and regularly confessing and putting that sin to death. And that's why, as we just did earlier, we have a regular time and opportunity during the service to confess together as a corp- as during our service. Because the goal of the Christian has changed. The purpose is no longer living to earn their righteousness or the perception of holiness. It's not trying to do what the Pharisees did. But the goal is to put away malice, to put away hypocrisy, envy, slander, so that Christ's excellencies are proclaimed and that Christ is glorified in the lives of his followers. It's the glory of God that is our highest end. And you might hear that and you might think, well, that's an insurmountable goal. That's a huge goal, isn't it? How are we going to do that? And without God, it is really impossible. But praise God that he doesn't just leave us there. He doesn't forgive us and just hopes that we do better. But God himself steps into our lives to help us do this. How? Well, by sending us God's Holy Spirit. I want to read to you a section from Romans 8. It starts from, starting from verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Right, so what we see is God is not just leaving us to try and fight 
this battle, this war against sin by ourselves. Trying to put hypocrisy, trying to put sin to death by ourselves, so we can't. Rather, what he does, he calls us to live humbly dependent on God's Holy Spirit that unites us together as sons of God. And he calls us then to live through God's Holy Spirit under God's law. And yet that doesn't make us immune to failure and to sin. Nor does it mean we simply fold and give up. And I think that can often be our response, can't it? When it comes to really difficult tasks, too often our responses can just say, that's just too hard to do. Uh, We say, you know, I was always going to fail at this task, so why don't I just give up now uh, and save the heartache in a few hours? And I think this is true now in this age where it's very easy, believism. You know, if you come to the Christian faith, you just say, yes, I believe in it. But then you refuse to submit and to come under God's word when it is hard, when it's inconvenient, when it calls you to give up things that you really like. And yet we have to remember that we are not alone in doing this. God says he sends us his Holy Spirit that's working within us. And so let me encourage you to not lose hope in living holy, righteous lives in under God's word. Because we want to humbly submit to our God, imperfectly following our Lord Jesus and honoring him alone with our lives. And so as we think about this question of, aren't all Christians hypocrites? And so you meet someone that says that quote, or someone that says, hey, aren't all Christians hypocrites? Uh, well, Well, how do we respond to that? Well, I think we can respond with uh, an honesty. An honesty that says, actually, yeah. You know, Christians have been and are guilty for being hypocrites. We know that we failed to do good. We know we failed to live as perfect people as God intended us to be. But thank God that's not what Christianity is all about. Indeed, thank God that even though we failed to live perfect lives, Jesus lived it perfectly for us. And now, as we repent, as we lay hold of uh, what God has given to us through the Lord Jesus, now by God's Spirit, we can follow our King Jesus until the new creation, until we see him face to face. Thank God that we are saved by grace through faith. And so let me encourage you that as you meet and as you talk to people that ask you this question, don't be disheartened, but continue to share the grace of God with them that we have received. Please join me as we pray. Our Father in heaven, we give you... We give you praise and thanks that we can be included in your family even though we've sinned against you, even though we've rejected you as our king. Yet, Lord, you sent your son Jesus to take the punishment of our sins from us. And yet, Lord, we know we still fail. We still fall short of the glory that you deserve. And so, Lord, we come to you asking that you would help us to repent, that you would help us to live humbly before you. Lord, would your spirit help change our hearts and our minds 
so that we practice what we preach. Help us to love you and to love others as we love you. Help us to point people to Christ alone as their hope in life and death. All of this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.